Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the local podcast, the official podcast of the College of New Beginnings, where we will talk about the local community, church, culture for students all across the East Texas area. Here's your host. Enjoy. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the local podcast. Local podcast. I really think we should have a motto or like a catchphrase. What do you want? I don't know. The one I keep coming (laughs) back to is the line from uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Okay. Where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Mm. I feel like something along those lines. Like, welcome back to the local podcast where everything's local and everything matters. There you go. I didn't say everything matters. But that's what my mind keeps going to. So, anyway, we're back. And we have a friend of ours here today. Another friend. Previous ones have been friends. We have another friend (laughs) with us, Tyler. Not to downgrade our other friends. (laughs) Not to downgrade any friends. Yeah. All friends are equal. Friends are friends forever. Um. We have our friend Tyler Ellison. What's up, Tyler? Hey, how's it going? How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing good. Good, good. Tyler is a friend here in town, a local worship pastor, videographer, photographer, a bunch of things. What else do you do? Um, I, I cook some <laughs> mediocre turkey tacos. Uh, I drink uh, too much coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And um, everybody in this room does yeah. that. You even I brought us tennis. coffee this morning. I, I brought you coffee this morning. Yeah. I want I wanted to be hospitable. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. I know. It's like he texted me while I was on the way here, and he was like, hey, I'm, drop, I'm dropping by, picking up some coffee. Do you want anything? And I'm thinking, Jeff and I are the hosts. I feel like, like that's, that's our I responsibility. I feel like we're supposed well, to I do mean, that. Yeah, but. I'm glad that y'all got there on your own. You know so, what I mean? You should have brought me coffee, but yeah. you know, it, it didn't sound like it was going to happen, and I knew I wanted to sip oh, on no. some uh, some coffee while yeah. we were talking. <laughs> well, most of the listeners don't know this, but John Daniel, who we had on here previously, um, works here at the church, yeah. part of Creston Chrome. He, uh, he was giving us such a hard time for not having him a welcome box. Oh, he would not <laughs> stop with that. Oh, wow. He goes, guys, like, what kind of what kind of podcast is this? You know, have a welcome box. Yeah, yeah. Expecting T-shirts and can- like, what do you? I don't know. We didn't, we didn't have your green room list. <laughs> Which we're getting there. We're I getting mean, there. We, we've there are T-shirts yes, in mind. Yes, you'll be getting one. Oh, sweet! Somewhere yeah. in the near future. Nice. Yeah. So you'll come away empty-handed today, but, but with the hope, with the hope, yeah, the future hope, with the future hope, yeah, with a full heart. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. hands empty, full heart. Can't lose. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. I feel like Tyler is one of the guys that his name gets thrown around to. Just like I mean, we we talk about again, Clint, John, Daniel, yeah, these different guys that we've had already on the podcast, and names get thrown around all around our community. Involved with a number of different groups. Yeah, Tyler, you're one of those guys who I've heard his name thrown around by everybody, always in a positive light too. Oh, that's nice. That's very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, that's good news. Yeah, that's yeah, great news. Pretty key person in our community, huh? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, I I think I I'm a raging extrovert, yeah. and so and uh, <laughs> I go to a coffee a shop <laughs> here in town. So it's like, um, so I think I talk to a lot of people, whether they necessarily want to talk or not. Um, so. Yeah, but it, that's one of the things I've liked about moving back to a smaller community. It's like me and my wife both grew up here in East Texas. She grew up here in Longview. Yeah. 
And it's one of the main reasons we wanted to come back here whenever a job opened up because of grandparents and we were having kids in that stage of life. Um, but I always thought places like Tyler and Longview, they were big enough to where if you were doing something, uh, it could have a further reach. Like you could, it could reach mm-hmm. to a state or even a national level. Um, if it was, if it was, you know, uh, something that had that kind of impact or, but it was also small enough to where it's like, you can know a bunch of people, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in, in Dallas, I found like, um, you could network and know a bunch of people and, and get involved, uh, with, you know, different groups and all that kind of stuff and, and run in some of those circles. But I felt like in some ways it took more effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you guys probably get that, but it's like, yeah. I know, you know, Jeff, it's like, you just, it takes more effort because if you want to go have lunch with somebody, you're going to drive 45 minutes, right. uh, eat lunch yeah. for an hour. And then it, so it takes three hours of your day right. where here it's like, I can leave my office in five minutes, be to nanny goats and, yeah. you know, eat for 45 minutes and then get back to work, you know, with all within an hour. Right. And so it's a little easier to, you know, have those, those touch points yeah. and connect with people here in a, a smaller community, which is one of the things I really love. So I've also noticed kind of in from coming from a, a metroplex um you talk about the drive and that's that's certainly true yeah it's also most more densely populated with the kind of things you're wanting to get into mm-hmm. where the metroplex just has more of all those different kinds mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. whereas in a region like this it's a little bit more scarce yeah and so you do have the opportunity to do more kinds of work or right or kind of have a have a uh a wider spread across yeah. the region because there's not as many people, especially in certain kinds of, I mean, yeah. I, I think one of the conversations we have today is about the arts. Yeah. You know? So especially within the arts in an area like East Texas, you know, it's, it's not as uh, popular, not as talked about as it would be in a larger place. Yeah. Which I feel like it's because of that, you know, I didn't, excuse me, I didn't go, I started off with music, you know, and so, I've gotten into photography and like like video world like later in life, you know, compared to a lot of creatives, you know, and especially like the generation that's younger than me. It's like they were getting cameras put in their hands whenever they were, you know, in junior high and, and high school and they had access to that kind of stuff because that technology was just becoming more and more accessible. Uh, so it was nice kind of moving here uh, and getting into that later in life because... <laughs> I feel like, and this isn't a knock on the area, but I feel like the expectation wasn't as high. I wasn't having to compete with right. a huge production company yeah. down the road in Dallas. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, Tyler does some video. Maybe he can come do something for us. Hmm. And uh, I always, uh, especially when I was starting off, I would go into it uh, and and the client or friend most of the time <laughs> would know that uh, I go, I'm doing this for free and I hope that it turns out. (laughs) And if it does, great. Use it, you know, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And if it doesn't, just like know, like you're getting it for free. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. One of my buddies always says you get what you pay for kind of a thing. And so that was the, that was the motto, especially starting out. But man, people gave me the, the, um, just kind of the, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? This is when you get stuck. Yeah. These things. Yeah. But it's like, uh, yeah, people gave me kind of the freedom to, to experiment and to try Mm -hmm. and to, to fail. And 
some of the first videos I was doing, especially for the church I work at at Fellowship, it was they were really bad, and but they were very <laughs> they were very gracious. Um, and uh, actually, one of the first videos I did was of Dirk's mom. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, your father-in-law's yeah. mom. Mm. And so, and it was such a sweet story. Who we story. affectionately called Memo. Yeah, she is Memo. wonderful. Like, they're, they're <laughs> both great. And um, I don't get to call her that name. I call <laughs> no. her Miss Coleman. Um, but, that's probably for the best. Yeah, it's, it's for, it's, it's, yeah, that's what it needs to Janine, happen. Janine, Miss Janine. Yeah, Miss Janine. But she, um, you know, there's this amazing story of like, just how she prayed for her kids. And it was just so tender and so great. And I didn't know how to do audio uh, with video at yeah. that point. And so, um, weirdly enough, coming from like a music side of things, it was very bad, but we pressed on and still showed it in <laughs> service. And now I, I've looked back at it like a year ago and I just, it made me cringe mm. a little bit, but yeah, that's a good thing about creativity is it allows you to keep yeah. getting better. You know what I mean? And yeah. We just mm. had a distance. Um, I mean, it seems like you're, your work in photography and videography is increasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that was a year ago? Or oh, I mean, no. Or, like when I started getting into it? No, no. Just that, even that video. Oh, no. That video was like five years ago. Okay. So, oh, I mean, wow. good span of time. Yeah. But all, all still, like, it seems like that work is increasing for you. Are you moving more in that direction from what you're doing now or? Yeah. I mean, I would say so. Um, there's the elements of church ministry that I still love is the music side of things. Mm. And uh, like we've kind of talked about, like I, I can, I can mm-hmm. talk and network. And so I, lo- I love mm-hmm. actually the, the shepherding and the discipleship, uh, the team building. And I love the creativity that goes into the music worship ministry mm-hmm. uh, at our church. Um, but yeah, I, I've started to see that uh, for a longest time, I, I'll kind of do storytelling through different avenues. And for like me growing up, I was like um, a closet kind of poet because I grew up in like <laughs> a very small school where it's like, you know, it's East Texas. So it's like sports are king. Yeah. Um, I came from uh, a coach, uh, like coaches were all in my family. Yeah. And so my grandfather, I have fond memories of him driving me all around like Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas to golf tournaments whenever yeah. I'm, you know, nine years old and, um, started playing tennis and he was a basketball coach. So I did. So, <laughs> so he was a basketball coach. So, I mean, he would run me through drills and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I loved sports, but then, uh, when I turned like 13 or 14, I started really getting into music more. Uh, my grandma bought me my first drum set without asking my parents. <laughs> and uh, so that was probably a fun conversation Typical that they all had. Typical pattern of a grandparent, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, she was awesome. And um, and so I got that, and so I was starting to write poetry. My dad wasn't really, uh, my dad is interesting for East Texas. Like, he's a florist yeah. and, uh, hmm. like, uh, refinishes furniture and was, like, into, like, picking, uh, mm-hmm. like, before that was a thing. So we'd spend weekends going around East Texas. And if there was like an interesting looking barn on somebody's property, he would knock on their door and see if there was anything back there they wanted to sell or if he could look through it and stuff. So I had these kind of two sides where there was, uh, there was arts definitely from my father and he's very musically gifted and led worship Hmm. at our church growing up. Um, and so 
I had that, but then I also had the sports side. So whenever I started getting into poetry and probably uh, a bit of an emo kid, it was very kind of like closeted. <laughs> like I was emo, but like with the mask of like Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, okay. On. Yeah. Wow. So. This is totally a side question. It has nothing to do with anything. But if you had a, like a favorite emo band. Oh. Oh, Dashboard Confessional. I was going to say. 100,000 <laughs> yes. percent. Yeah. Oh, me and my that wife. That was like the immediate thing that came to mind was yeah. a dashboard confession, especially after you said Abercrombie and Fitch. Oh, yeah. It's like that That felt like he felt like he was a bit um, he could have a foot in both those camps. Like yeah. I feel like both both sides liked him. Like if you're real emo and, you know, maybe even like goth a little bit, like you would still maybe kind of like some dashboard stuff. Yeah. And um, even though he was probably too mainstream for you. And then yeah. like the like. All the popular kids, they like Dashboard, too, right. you know? And so, and they were probably jamming him on their, like, Rossford Fosgate 12s <laughs> in the back of their <laughs> extended cab truck. He that knew makes that. me so happy. He knew that right off the bat. No, and I was hoping, I, I mean, that was the imagery as soon as he said it. I Some formative years. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah, and so I remember listening to those songs and just being, like, just a completely... Like a hopeless romantic, so I I, oh, yeah. I very much resonated with dashboard and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. cool. Yeah, nice. We kind of, I mean, kind of already jumped right in. <laughs> um, story. I mean, you you talked about Metroplex City. Yeah, started here. Kind of alluded to the fact that you lived here a while ago. Sure. Yeah, we yeah we moved here. Well, what's what's seven years what's ago? What's the story? What's the story, um, family growing up, and then how'd you get back to East Texas? Oh, yeah. So kind of, you know, family growing up, like I said, my dad was uh, just real artistic, and, like, he he can paint, he can draw anything, um, has an incredible musical ear. Uh, my mom is uh, an educator, so she's on the other end where she's, like, very, like, my dad's very intelligent, but never went to school, and my mom's very educated, yeah. you know? And mm. so, um, and my mom was a big reader, so there was a big kind of emphasis, too, on um, if you were curious about literature and all that kind of stuff, um, that was a big part of my family as well. So I feel like there was room to kind of be both, and mm. I guess that's um, kind of a great thing about a small community. It's like that even we, we in Longview, we don't, we don't see this kind of stuff. Like, so I grew up in Quitman and I could be in one act play and band, but I could also play basketball and tennis mm -hmm. and, mm. you know, be in student council and all this kind of stuff. So you didn't have to choose necessarily. Right. Um, and I think that that was one of those things that uh, was really great. It, it, it gave me a lot of room to kind of explore stuff within my family and then, um, within the community. So kind of going from there, I moved to Tyler, uh, majored in music, uh, mm. there and was on drumline and thought I wanted to be a band director and nice. worked with some high school drumlines while I was in college and quickly found out that I did not want to be a band director. <laughs> and I feel like God spared a lot of kids, uh, probably grief, uh, because I am, uh, a way better, uh, player than I am teacher and I'm not that great of a player. So I don't know if I should have even done music. <laughs> Again, the Lord's spirit. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the, Lord, the Lord, his mercies Everybody's are new uh, every day. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of grace um, 
a lot of grace there. Um, and so, but yeah, God has just been faithful. It just kind of kept opening doors. And so I got to uh, like middle of my junior year in college and wanted to be uh, a touring drummer. And so oh, I wow. started playing with uh, a couple different worship leaders that were local here, but we would play, we, you know, we would do the whole camp circuit, Disciple Now, retreats and all that kind of stuff. And so we did that for about two years and everything was going well. But then um, the worship leader that I was traveling with decided he wanted something a little more stable. He was getting to that age. And so um, he took a job in Colorado and I kind of had to shift things because that was a big part of what I was doing and my identity. And so um, one thing that's great about being 20 years old and things shifting like that, though, is like a lot of my friends had moved to the Metroplex at that point. Mm. And so I just decided I'll just move to the Metroplex and be with my friends and I'll get a job and yeah. I'll figure it out. So I rented a room from uh, a guy at the church I started going uh, to up there. And uh, yeah, so I met, um, you want to turn that? You need to turn that off. Uh, you want me to mute it? What is that? Is it email? It sounds like it's email. I can. I you can if you. We like. don't have to. I don't. I don't know how how much is coming through. Okay, cool. we'll go back and splice, yeah. splice that up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because y'all's y'all's won't pick it up. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I just, I, so I moved to Dallas and uh, started uh, working with a ministry when I was up there called Team Impact. Yes. And so a str- <laughs> this is a very interesting turn to in my story. Very and so um, it's a strongman group. And I did that for, it had to have been over a year. Um, you were on the I wasn't team. on the team. Oh. Well, I would say I'm on the team in the way that like um, like a towel boy is on the team. Okay. You know? Wait, team, team impact. Team impact. Like ripping up phone books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the church I grew up in, I think... Team Impact came a couple of times. I'm sure they did. They, they travel quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. They I, break I had boards. a ton of frequent flyer miles. And so, oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. An interesting fact Mark Minner is right. senior pastor at First Baptist New Diana, and he was on Team Impact. <laughs> that and, makes sense. Yeah. And so he's huge. It's you, huge. on the other hand, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not huge. Maybe in the in the gut, He's but the nowhere else. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I. Uh, but I do know how to rip a phone book, and we'll get there because that's the wow. first time I it's met all my about wife. Strategy. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, first it's about strategy, and I feel like maybe because I'm a drummer, I have a lot of hand strength. But yeah, it's it's mostly a technique okay. thing on that. I can't do any of the other feats of strength as yeah. they as they were called. And so, um, so man, I got really, that was a very interesting time. I was entrusted with like, so, well, I was called what was, um, my official title was crusade manager. Oh, and then sense. I handled all the products. There's so many great titles. Dude, great titles. Feats of strength. Feats of strength, crusade manager. Crusade manager. Um, there's a lot of times there's yelling, help him. From <laughs> hey, newsflash, you yelling from the audience doesn't help this guy break a bat, but it is energizing and it's fun. And I will say this: uh, these guys, um, I-, I can poke fun and I can laugh at it, and I'm sure that they have all their own sets of jokes and stuff too. But uh, man, I got to see a lot of the country, and being a kid in a small town, like coming from a small town, like that was incredible. Like I had had one plane flight up to that point uh, in college. And so 
all of a sudden I was on a plane like every other week, you know, at mm-hmm. least a couple times a month I was yeah. flying to different parts of the country and, you know, talking with senior pastors and executive pastors wow. as like a 21 year old. And, um, you know, I was involved with like, I, I counted the offering with the team every night and made sure the presses, so there was actually kind of a lot of responsibility for a 20 year old. Um, and so it was, it was a very interesting time, but that was, that was really, uh, the first time, uh, really through guys like Mark Minner and there's another guy named Jeff Neal, several others, um, that, uh, that really started to help shape my theology a little mm-hmm. more yeah. and, uh, question my theology. A lot of those guys were reformed. So they were like, uh, heavy readers, very into like the academic side of our mm. faith. And they really challenged me on a lot. Having grown up in a charismatic church, I, I had a lot more of like, we've talked about like the, uh, emotional, side of it, but, um, scripture and knowledge was down on the totem pole and, you know, being led by the Holy spirit and the emotional side was very high on it. And so I was getting asked questions that I'd never been asked before, but they were very gracious in it. And it's, it was almost kind of like a camp sort of experience because you're going, you're doing this thing that is kind of uh, not in the norm for most people throughout the week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're going to schools and they're breaking bats and they're, they have these events every night. And in between that, I mean, they're working out a couple times a day and I didn't work out with them, but I ate with them. Yeah. And so I gained probably about different 30 kind of, pounds. You gained different, different kind, kind of weight. gains. Yeah. I, I had different kinds of gains. <laughs> yes. And Definitely uh, still had gains though. Gains. Because well, the thing was, they were like, hey, these people, you need to eat something because these people, a lot of times there's people in the church that were preparing meals for us. And so, man, I just, uh, one thing I can do growing up in East Texas, I can eat a lot. <laughs> and, and, and I retain that ability. Yeah. And I, I still can. <laughs> And so, uh, so yeah, I gained a lot of weight during the green, the green bean bundles still kick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so fast forward a little bit, we, uh, I meet my wife, I'm still working there. Um, she is, uh, interesting enough. She was one of the, uh, early members at the village when it was like 40 something people. Wow. And so she came to faith when she was 19, I Mm. believe 19 or 20. Her cousin started going to the village and said, hey, you've got to come. Uh, there's this amazing pastor there. The worship is great. The community is awesome. And so I, th- I think wow. you'd really enjoy it. And so uh, she grew up in like uh, she didn't really grow up in a spiritual home. And so coming to faith later in life and then just sitting under somebody like Matt Chandler, mm-hmm. who I-, I would say, regardless of whether people love him or don't, they would, everybody, I've never heard anybody, even if they don't care for Matt Chandler that much, say that he's not one of the most gifted communicators of the Bible yeah. that that we've ever had, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so she got to sit under that mm. early on. And so I think she was being uh, taught uh, in, a, in a very interesting right way, um, early on in her faith. And so her and I would have these really interesting conversations uh, with me coming off the road and kind of in a different kind of uh, on a spirit, different spiritual journey <laughs> than her. And in some ways she was leading me out of a more mature place, even though I had grown up in the yeah. church my whole life yeah. um, from the, I, I, definitely from like 
deep thinking theology, you know, and asking very like probing questions and challenging yeah. questions. And so we met and I hit the point where I go, hey, I think I need to, you know, make a little more money and have something a little more stable. Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine at the time had uh, a very, uh, like a really good recording studio down in the woodlands and asked me to, like, if I wanted to come on and work there and kind of learn the ropes and all nice. that kind of stuff. And so for me, he, we started talking numbers. And I'm like, oh, this would be huge. And I think it would have been like probably I would have made like $25,000 that year. But at that point, I'm going, this is big money. Big. Nah. This is life-changing money <laughs> for me at this point, being, you know, 21, 22. And uh, so during that time, me and my wife got engaged. And then I moved to the woodlands without her just to kind of like try to get things set up and going okay. and get an apartment and you know, you feel that pressure at that point of like, hey, I want to provide and yeah. kind of start this life. Well, that was in 2008, 2007, yeah. and then went into 2008. And uh, we all know like the housing crisis like hit and we yeah. met, went into like a massive recession. And so musicians, which uh, are pretty notorious for not having any money, um, had less of it at that hmm. point. And so... Nobody was coming to the recording studio. Yeah. Uh, nobody was working. So um, we spent the first eight months of our marriage in the woodlands picking up some gigs uh, sometimes. And then I started working at Borders Books, and she was substitute teaching. And May like, I rest in peace. Yeah, I was RIP. Hey. That was a wonderful Borders Books if you ever went there in the woodlands. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was great. And one of the things I loved about working in a bookstore is nobody ever came in mad. Oh no! You know, like it was it, the most serene. It's kind such of a environment. chill, yeah. yeah, environment. I mean, like if you, even if you go into like Books a Million here, it's like nobody's mad in there. Nobody's no. like, oh, you don't have the book. They're yeah. like, well, we can order it for you, or you can, I don't know, you can look around at the other like fourteen thousand books in here or whatever. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's probably way more than that. Grab a coffee. So nobody's mad in a bookstore, and so mm -hmm. it was a wonderful place to work, and it was one of those. Uh, jobs where it's like I could go early in the morning and then just leave it. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of times where it's just like the iPod in. And so there's, again, that was uh, probably the time I started reading the wow. most because I could get books for free, which was awesome because I didn't time. have any. The dream. better time to yeah. start reading. That's the dream. And so I didn't have any, <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't have any money to buy books. So yeah. it's like I get my hour lunch break and I'm like, I would just sit out on this patio that overlooked this shopping center in the hmm. woodlands and just read. And I would just go for interesting looking titles in like the Christian section yeah. at, at Borders. And so in um, retrospect, awesome. in retrospect, what was the most interesting Christian title that you read? Oh, we that were I read? Books earlier, but there's plenty of them. I don't know. There's a lot of them. There's I can't think of, of like a tongue in cheek. I think I got really into at that point. I was doing the whole like uh, Donald Miller, oh yeah, and then reading on like the emerging, yeah, you know, emergent, emergent church, emerging church, all that kind of stuff. So there was hmm. some Brian McLaren uh, thrown in there. But then I was getting a lot, you know, very much with you know my wife coming out of the village and stuff like John Piper and. Yeah, uh, Tim like, Keller and yeah. a lot some of the reformed theologians yeah. as well. So yeah, I was I was in two different camps and so, <laughs> one of, so it was kind of, it was kind of interesting because on one side like I loved this theology but then I I I felt like with reformed theology I also ran into like there was this air of elitism, mm. you know, yeah. especially at the time of like 
oh, we know, and you, I can't believe you don't know this about like, uh, you know, uh, the, why aren't you thinking this deeply about like the Trinity and about atonement and about, you know, uh, eschatology and all this kind of stuff. I think they call that cage stage Calvinism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and everybody goes through it. You know what I mean? Um, especially early on. And so I ran into that a lot with uh, people at the village, especially yeah. like with my wife, because they were all like college age or like mid twenties. You know what I mean? Yeah. And had just been introduced to this kind of thinking. And so they got a little bit of knowledge and it took them a long way. Hmm. And so I was reading all that and and really loving it. But because of that kind of air of the people that I'd gotten, like this elitism, I, I was like, man, I don't, I can't 100% feel like I can commit to this camp. And so then the other side of me was like, uh, loved, you know, Rob Bell and and Brian McLaren mm-hmm. and uh, some of these guys over here, they're a little more like on the fringe. And, um, and so it was an interesting kind of time of like shaping theology, but also realizing this is um, a journey I'm on and yeah. I'm just growing it. So, and to hold things very open-handed to be able to um, get questions asked of me and to be okay saying, I don't know, but mm, yeah. let's research and kind of find out together. So mm. all that to say to kind of wrap it up, like we moved back after not making any money for about a year, we moved back to Dallas. My wife got a teaching okay. job. And uh, and I got a job at a church in Plano as a worship pastor, nice. and so that kind of started us on the trajectory that that led us here. And we were up there for like ten years together or so um, before we moved here, maybe nice. a little bit less. So nice, yeah, cool, cool. And you have children. We do, yeah. So we had our first daughter, Isley. She's about to be ten uh, wow. while we were up there. Oh, and yeah, I saw on your Instagram story. Oh yeah. She's a photographer. She's a photographer. Her, yeah, so she's that. yeah she's starting she's starting to get into it, which is That's pretty awesome. Fun. I thought that was awesome. And so, um, and she like just made me super proud because I this is the the hipster and bit of millennial that has come <laughs> out in me where it's like I got really as I started getting into photography, I got really into like film photography, right? Yeah. And um, now it's like a very like unhealthy, uh, expensive obsession yeah. of mine. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it's like, it's just, it's not practical, but I, I love it. And so my daughter has a little 35 millimeter camera because nobody uses their film cameras anymore, but a okay. lot of families still have them. So, you know, periodically, once every couple of months, I'll get a text from somebody saying, hey, do you want this camera and all that kind of stuff? And you come across some pretty clean ones. So... Uh, a I friend of mine. I, I might have one point a few years ago <laughs> tried to because Luke, you're talking about getting into videography. Mm-hmm. We oh, all have man. this these moments where we think <laughs> like we want to get into something. Oh sure, and yeah. So I thought I, I wanted I'm, to be a lawyer for a time and sure. realized I was oh, horrible no. at school. <laughs> sure, but you start you start making these really uh, 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 impulsive purchases, uh-huh. yeah. thinking yeah. I'm going to get into this. And mm-hmm. so I might have been on eBay. Stop it. A lot, uh, you know. Bidding on multiple Canon AE1s. Did you really? Ones. Yeah, no, you I, really? I have two Canon AE1s at my I house. I didn't know this. That's awesome. Right now, this because, is amazing. Um, because I was bidding on one, didn't think I was going to get it, so I bid on the other one, and actually ended up getting both. Sure, uh, and yeah. I haven't used either one of them. So, uh, oh well, now if you, time. this is making sense. I know. Well, death, well, this is the whole reason I'm here, isn't it? Bring it in. I'll show you how to load it. We're all, we're all processing this yeah, here. It's like I'm already saying sorry to your family. It's this this costs too much money, and it's 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 just uh, yeah. it's definitely not convenient. 
But yeah, so that's the camera she has. She has a Canon A1, oh, okay, cool. and um, she loves it. She actually kind of likes the process of uh, shooting things and then, like, having to wait for a little bit. And then, like, when she sees it, she's kind of excited about getting to see what she captured yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so it's been a neat thing that we're starting to do together. I can't yeah. take her on all the shoots and stuff, but, like, if it's something that's going to be, you know— pretty laid back and yeah. stuff like we just did uh, a little project with Clint for mm -hmm. Thrive 360. Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, this is a after school it's program for yeah, kids." I'm like, "Why don't you come?" And it's like she ended up being like brought into the fold way faster than me. Like the kids down there like they thought she was cool, which she loved, you know what I mean, and was slightly embarrassed mm -hmm. by. Um, but they're asking her about the camera and all this kind of stuff, so she got some really cool Candid shots that I didn't even get, you know, wow. uh, just because of her point of view. So it's really neat to see her point of view and like what she's documenting and how she's thinking about things and learning terms like dappled light and, yeah. you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. And so um, that's been pretty fun. I think that's one of the neat things of being a parent is like if your kids kind of get into something that you're interested in. Yeah. Um, and you guys can kind of do that together. So it's been it's been pretty cool to see her creativity yeah. uh, come out. So, so yeah, Isley is our oldest. We had her when we were Isley. up in Richardson. And uh, it's one of the main reasons she uh, loves her grandparents. And my mm. parents live in Quitman. And Jen's uh, parents live here in Longview. Uh, her mom and stepdad and her dad lives in Beaumont, which is closer for us here, like three hours. Yeah. So, um, so we moved back here when she was a about to be four, and then um, we ended up having our daughter, Essie, when we were down here. Mm -hmm. And so she's about to be six, so we're about to have a six-year-old and a ten-year-old. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're both, you know, you probably see this, Jeff, but, like, they're both, like, very different. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, they give us a run for our money, and we, most days we're exhausted by 8.30, you uh -huh. know, at yeah. night. But we— uh, yeah, we're very fortunate to have hmm. awesome little girls. And, you know, I was kind of uh, the having grown up with coaches, I always thought like, oh, I wanted to have a boy. And I think most guys want that, have a desire like they want, you know, a pal that they can like <laughs> throw the football <laughs> with or like go whatever you want to do. If you want to teach them to go hunting at or least somebody whatever. Look over at the house going, you understand, right? You get it. You yeah. Get it, no, son. like, no, like not even our <laughs> dog is, at, is right? a male. Yeah. Like it's full female at my house. So nobody, nobody gets it. And so, um, <laughs> nobody gets yeah, people nobody just bust in on me, you. you know, if I'm like, you know, changing or I'm like, guys, I need privacy. I'm the only boy in this house. Yeah. Please give me my space. Please stop. Yeah. Please I'm don't. If the I'm door's go locked, please don't reach your hand under the door. And <laughs> I'm so, going to go to Borders, yeah. read my book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which Jeff's in the opposite situation. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, we have two boys. Yeah, he so, has the two boys. But the same thing is plies are very different yeah. Yeah. in some ways. But um, something that you said, this is a little bit of a transition yeah. for it. Uh, you talked about kind of being interested in the way that uh, Isley see th sees things. Mm-hmm. Uh, through her perspective as she's learning this craft of photography. And so, um, I, I mean, just to, wanted, wanted to ask you, like, how do you think something like photography or videography or maybe just the arts mm -hmm. in general helps people to see? Because it's one of the things, like, yeah. the arts is a very 
participatory, that's a big word. Yeah, that's great. Something you have to participate in, in mm -hmm. a sense. Using that graduate degree right there. <laughs> well, that's a toot my own horn. I got a couple of them. Uh, and you understand this from a worship perspective as well. This is something we were talking about earlier. Um, you understand more mm. and you become more engrafted uh, or have a to have, have more fully orbed worship when you participate in it. Right. It's the yeah. idea of liturgy, the work of the people. Sure. So how do how does all that like the participation of it? How do the arts help people see and understand reality? Why is it so important? Yeah. I guess well, from your perspective. Well, I mean, I I think there's a few different things. I think artists are typically, um, you know, they're typically pushing the boundaries a bit of culture. Okay. Um, and sometimes because they see things differently, they're seeing things uh, unfold before sometimes the rest of culture. Mm -hmm. And they're able to capture that. So whether it's, you know, documentary style photography where they're capturing kind of the riots and all this kind of stuff. I think it, I think sometimes the arts can humanize things, oh, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, to where if we're looking at, you know, what's going on like in Portland or something right now, um, just through the lens of media. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's telling a story, but it's kind of a one-sided story. But if you see um, an artist going in there and, and either shooting a video and talking to some of the riders or some of the police officers or something like that, um, or a photographer going in there and and taking pictures, it's, it's telling a different story um, than probably the narrative that you have mm -hmm in your head, you know what I mean? Or at least challenging maybe some of the ideas yeah. that you have. And I think that's one of the biggest things for arts is to challenge the ideas that you might, that your culture may have shaped you, you know, with. And so, um, but one of the, I mean, the one of the biggest things I think with it, it teaching people is like arts in the school. Like, yeah. so yeah. one of the things that does frustrate me and coming from a family of educators and my wife, working in uh, the school systems for the past, you know, 10 plus years is that arts funding is constantly on the chopping block yep, and getting right. cut. And um, public schools in general are, are that way. Um, but, uh, but definitely the arts portion of that is getting cut. But for people, it doesn't matter if you're going to necessarily be quote unquote an artist, you know, right. as your profession. It's like if you are a surgeon or you're an engineer yes. or, you know, fill in the blank, what arts does is it teaches you to think creatively. Yes. So you're, you're, you're creative problem solving. I mean, you, you look at guys like Leonardo da Vinci and I'm like, people hold him up as like this amazing artist, but he's, you know, mo most people know this too, but it's like, he's this amazing engineer mm -hmm. too. And thought about, uh, you know, military and, you know, it's like, was going through this whole range of things and it wasn't uh, categorized, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that's something that we've started doing more as a culture. Like, it's like, pick your lane, yeah, stay in your lane, mm -hmm. and that's what you need to do. But I feel like, um, you know, at other times in history, it might've been a little more fluid. And it might've been because you couldn't necessarily make a living off of one or the other. Right. You know, it's like, with some guys like Leonardo da Vinci and you even look at like Mozart and stuff like that, like they were doing fine, but it was because like usually they worked for like the court of a king, you right. know, um, and they, it, it was like a service that was paid for. And so they were still kind of indebted to who, whoever they were working for, which artists now 
um, can work for themselves, you know, and tell their own story. So yeah. it's, it's, it was a little more fluid, hmm. uh, weirdly enough, under the restrictions back then than right. it is now. Now it's a little more uh, stay in your lane. Yeah. And, and because that, I think you lose some things. We were talking earlier, kind of before we started recording about, you know, even our own work, you know, yours and mine, about how, um, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of got in that conversation of, and it's a, it, I think it's a, it's a conversation that's coming back now. There's some books out there uh, right now about uh, the value of generalists mm-hmm. versus specialty yeah, and not doing away with either one of them. You know, we, we're very much, there are some people who advocate stay in your lane, which is kind of the specialty, but there's very much kind of this, um, I mean, even at a very low level, you as a dad, you have a job, mm-hmm. you're a husband, um, you're caring for your kids. You know, there's, there's just a wide range of yeah. things outside of not including your hobbies or interests. So, um, I mean, what do you think, I'm thinking about some of the college students that might be listening to mm-hmm. this and there's this wrestle yeah. with them because they're they're trying to figure out what's what's my lane yeah. that I'm trying to get yeah. into. What's my major? I got to figure it out right now. Could you just kind of speak to that from your perspective mm-hmm. about the value of of both, but kind yeah. of maybe relieving them of some of that that tension? Yeah, and I mean, I've I've held both of those roles in my life. You know, working yeah. in churches and and other ministries and working for myself. Um, you you have to do a, a bit of both, you know, even, I think even if you're a specialist, there's, there's, so I'm not like uh, an example is I'm not great at administration, which might come as a complete shock to you shock. guys. <laughs> complete shock. And so that's not a gift of mine, <laughs> but I know that it's part of the general role that I have to do, um, to do the, the whole yeah. job. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I always think there's there's elements of that generality that that's floating around. But what I wish somebody would have told me early on, and maybe they did, and I was just too hard headed to listen, uh, is that you don't have to have it all figured out hmm. yeah. right now. Like, if you need to take a step back, like take a step back and just kind of assess things or. If you're confused about what you want to major in and yeah. it might do you some good to just take some electives, you know, or uh, to take a job, a you know, side job in a creative field. I'm like, why you have the freedom yeah. to do that? Because I remember at that time um, taking an extra six months to do something felt like a really long oh, yeah. commitment. Like an eternity, yeah. 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 But, you know being on the other side of this and it, it's, it's hard to know this until you've just lived it, but being on the other side, it's like six months passes by so fast. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Two years starts to pass by fast. I mean, I've got, I'm about to have a 10 year old and I'm like, where did 10 years go? She was born just this last week or so. Oh yeah. No, I was talking to some friends from high school and I'm like, oh yeah, we did that. And I'm like, that was almost 20 years that's ago. That's so crazy. I know. And so yeah. now that's how I know I'm getting old whenever I'm like, oh, that was almost 20 years ago and I wasn't four. You know what I mean? It was like, oh no, I was like 18. I was 18, yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's what I would say. Just don't stress out. Take a little extra time. Take a breath in your life. If that needs to last for six months, do it. You know, one of the things I think that is a disservice in America is that a lot of times, uh, I mean, I do love that 
from a practical standpoint, how you can take so many yeah. college classes in high school and then start as like a sophomore or junior, yeah, right, you know, yeah. with your credit hours. But I'm like, one of the disservices I see that other countries do is like they'll have like a gap year or they'll encourage kids to yeah. like, okay, you have to like join the military for a year or a few years. And that might be a little bit of a controversial thing, but there are times where I'm like, I think that would have done me good. Like, yeah. cause even being a creative and people think I might be like really go with the flow. Um, my wife can attest to this through the quarantine time. <laughs> when I get out of routine, I'm not a great person to deal with. Like I yeah. kind of get depressed. Uh, I don't know what to do with myself. So I need a routine and I need projects. So if I don't have paid projects, mm. I give myself projects. Yeah. So, um, that's one of the things I would just tell kids. It's like, take the time, especially if they've have like, if they're walking into college with credits, like you've already bought yourself a couple of years cushion of like where people were starting out 10 or 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So it's like, there's not, there's not a hurry. You know, yeah. Is, I need, no, go ahead. I mean, there is that pressure. Coming graduating in May, I was just in the thick of seeing yeah students run after grad school and what's next. And I kind of shared this at the first podcast, second podcast. Like I came in as a kinesiology exercise science major, and when you come in as kinesiology or exercise science, the only path you really can take and make a lot of money would be PT or OT. Mm-hmm. And those schools are both pretty tricky to get into. Yeah. And really hard to get into. So I was around a group of people for those four years until I started moving over to biblical theology. I was in the realm of people that was just, man, we need to do this now. We need to get this done now. And everybody was so uptight. And rightfully yeah. so because everybody was preaching that to them. Yeah. Like, what? hey, you have to get it done. You have to get, have it figured out. and hey, three years is not not a long time. Like, make sure you're getting all A's and all this. And so there's all this pressure. Yeah. I, and I think some people are geared that way, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I don't necessarily think it's wrong if you feel very determined yeah. that that's the path you should be on. Like I've got, um, one of my best friends here is, his name's Justin Ward and he's a optometrist and they own okay. a practice, him and his wife. Future podcast guests. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Long Justin. guy associates and wild, wild honey, wild honey. Yeah. you know, owners and it's yeah. like. Neighbor. Yeah, dude. They're, yeah, they're <laughs> awesome people. And so, um, you know, great musicians and all that kind of stuff. But like he knew he wanted to be an optometrist from like yeah. the time he was like six or seven. Wow. Yeah. And then just like, ju so when he jumped in, he was like, well, this is just the path I've always wanted to be so on. So after it. Um, I, I do think it's case by case, but I think if you're confused and you're going, oh man, I, I kind of want to do music, but I also want to do like this stuff in the business world. I'm like, well, take the time and like double major or minor in it, or just like take a couple of extra elective classes in something you're interested in and see if that's what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't, I would have probably been a band director or gotten into that if I wouldn't have worked with drumlines during the summer, yeah. you know, in college and realized, oh, I'm horrible at mm -hmm. this and I don't really enjoy it that yeah. much. And so. And that's okay. Like yeah. the, the grace of that is to go, that, that's okay. Well, yeah. And it's sometimes the things that you are, you want to, you feel like you want to do it as a profession is because you really enjoyed it as a kid. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, so I kind of romanticize that with tennis sometimes So because I played tennis all through high school mm. and there's a big part of me. Like I had um, a shot to go play at UT Tyler. And so um, I was like, 
oh man, I, sometimes I wonder what it'd been like to play, go that route yeah. and have played tennis and like really tried to grow uh, uh, kind of in that sport and then like teach it and coach because like coaching is a big deal in my yeah. family and there's a lot of coaches. So I'm like, I think that would have been cool. And sometimes I romanticize it, but I'm like, I probably wouldn't have liked that. So that's where being, you know, somebody that's a believer in Jesus Christ, like I have to come back to the sovereignty of God. Like yeah. he's, he's bringing me uh, into mm. the things that he, he's wanting me to that's be in. Good. He's ordering my steps. You know what I mean? Um, because I'm a big, uh, I, I'm a big rear view mirror person and mm. that's a, not a great thing. Um, but I'm always looking back and going, okay, if I would have done X, Y, Z, the, the, the common one is like, I wish I'd have bought like Apple stock, you know, I wish I'd have bought like some Amazon <laughs> yeah. zoom. Yeah, dude, all, all, oh, yeah, all these things that have blown up, you know, that were just starting out when I was like in high school and college. And then, um, but also I'm looking back, I'm like, man, what would it have been like now knowing my, where like kind of my passions are, I'm like, what would it have been like to get into videography, yeah. filmmaking and, yeah. and photography when I was 18 or 19, you know, yeah. and how much would I have been able to grow by the time I'm 35? And so, uh, but you can't do that. Right, you know, it's no. like God kind of brings things and changes your heart and gives you passions in certain seasons. And sometimes it is just for a season, just like relationships. Sometimes it doesn't mean, I, I don't think that that's a bad thing. You know, uh, I thought that was a foreign thing having grown up in a small town and I was friends with the same people from four till, you know, I was 18 and some of those guys I went to college with. Uh, and so I didn't get that in my early twenties. I'm like, Oh, I can't relationships for a season. Mm. Doesn't make sense. But now no. you kind of get into it and I'm, I'm, a, I'm okay with that, you know? Um, and some relationships are forever and some are like, Hey, this is for a season. We kind of, if we see each other, it kind of, it's a little more fluid. So yeah. Um, take a breath kids. It'll yeah. be okay. In, in summary, yeah, be, be, yeah. Take a breath. <laughs> be gracious. No, it made me think of uh, uh, something we were saying earlier about um, the the craft. You know, you know doing taking a season and maybe taking a job that's a little bit more creative, kind of mm -hmm. maybe outside the box, something you wouldn't normally yeah. do, but something that you're interested in. Yeah. There's a philosopher named Matthew Crawford. He's got a few books, kind of mm -hmm. very much in this lane, where he left a career at. Uh, a university as a philosopher and economics professor and started a bike shop. Oh, wow. Like a motorcycle gig. Yeah. Where he fixes motorcycles. Nice. Because what he discerned in his vocation was uh, it's not just brain activity. It's not just thinking that he needed. He felt like part of his intellect was missing because he wasn't able to get his hands on something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like he fully left being a philosopher, like yeah. turn that off, not doing that again. He's still part of a, he's still a fellow at the center there at UVA. Oh, wow. But he still owns a bike shop because part of his, like what he, his full capacity of thinking, his understanding of the world yeah. is both in the classroom and it's in this shop. Yeah. He's and, flexing different kinds of muscles, right. so to speak, you know? Yeah. But the hands-on craft was him filling it out. I think that's good wisdom yeah. Um, I think for especially current college students where yeah. it can be, you know, I have to be excellent, perfect uh, in a classroom setting, get the grades to get the resume when yeah. you, you might be missing out, use the word earlier about what the arts do, they humanize you. Yeah. yeah. And how even a craft could do that as well. Well, and I think you have to give yourself uh, some things you only learn with time, you know, and with taking certain jobs and 
succeeding and failing and all that kind of stuff. And that's just kind of all part of the life journey yeah. that we're on. But um, one of the things that, that just time has taught me is like, it teaches you more about what you're good at. You yeah. know what I mean? And so uh, I am, so talking about getting like your hands on something and like working like, like, for me, that's one of the things I really like about film photography is very like tactile and mm-hmm. like you feel, you know, the, you know, you're, you're changing all that, the controls and stuff like that. And it's very tactile. It's very, you're in the experience. It's kind of like driving a, a standard transmission car, you know? Um, Love it. And so the, and there's nothing wrong with automatics. Mm. It's just, it's just a different kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I like that tactile thing. So it's like growing now and being in my 30s, I realize like I'm better. I like creating in the sense of doing, you know, in mm-hmm. the moment and uh, and being creative and hunting for inspiration and all that kind of stuff like uh, in that moment. And then I like the pre-production side of that, which is like the dreaming side. And so um, I've always like been one of those people that gets pulled into like vision casting meetings and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and brainstorming because I really like to do that. I like to problem solve and then I I like to be a part of the actual project as it's yeah. unfolding, whatever that might be. What I don't love doing, um, and this is the part where you I have to force myself in, is the like post production side of things, right. which is probably one of the things that that attracts me again to film photography is that. Whenever you, the difference between film and digital is like digital, I can take a picture and I can pull it into a program and make it look like whatever I want. Right. With film, you don't have that kind of latitude. It's based upon like whatever film stock you're shooting. Mm. So I'm nerding out a little bit here, but it's like, <laughs> but uh, but it's kind of like whatever I get is what I get. And right. it's very minimal adjusting that I can do uh, with that shot. So it's like you kind of get it or you don't, you know? Yeah. And so I like that <clears throat> that process because when I get it, it's it's better than anything digitally I probably yeah. could have done. Yeah. And so I've gotten to the point now with like doing video work. I still do a lot of editing with video and photography, but now, especially on bigger projects, like I have a couple guys I use for video editing mm. and it's like, I don't enjoy this, pro- this part of the process. So I think yeah. that that's a big thing too. Like, you know, for for people that are like in their teens, like late teens and early 20s or even like mid 20s, it's like start to figure out what you enjoy and not just what you enjoy, but what you're good at. And then like what are the necessary things that you have to do to in, a, in order to like enable you to do that? Yeah. And then everything else, find ways, collaborate with people yeah. and find ways to pass that on, mm. you know? Or pass it off. And one of the things, too, I found early on as a creative, and I feel like this is, it doesn't matter if you're creative or you're uh, by profession or if you're in another world. I think in your 20s, you want to prove yourself. Mm. So Mm. for me, in my 20s, songwriting was a really big deal, and I didn't want to co-write for a long time. I wanted to be the songwriter. So when it came out, I wanted the praise, uh, like love affirmation is a love language of mine, uh, which is most for most people that create stuff. Mm. Um, surprise, surprise. I ended up with a job (laughs) where I'm on stage a lot. Um, and so, uh, I love affirmation and it was one of those things that I really craved in an unhealthy way, especially in my twenties. And so I didn't want to collaborate, uh, a whole lot, but 
God really started opening my eyes up to the beauty of collaboration and even yeah. like looking at the 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 best examples, the Trinity, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And um, the Godhead is this constant, you know, sharing and submitting and lifting up and loving and uh, humbleness and all these beautiful, beautiful things and realizing, okay, am I in it for my own mm. praise and glory uh, or am I in it... Uh, First offer as a believer to glorify God, but also to put the best thing out there, you know, like to to create the mm-hmm. best art. And sometimes the best art is created with others. Yes. Um, and for me, the the best stuff I've created, the the song that I got to be a part of writing was a co-write, the one and that's the one that's gotten the most, you know, notoriety and it's not uh, it's not even that that big, but it's the one that got like publishing and all that kind of stuff. And like some of the best videos and some of the best photography, it's it's connecting with people and it's collaborating. And I think that's why the more and more I've gotten into uh, kind of visual storytelling through photo and video, I really like uh, taking pictures and doing videos with people. Like, so I like documentary style, storytelling mm-hmm. style videos. Right. I like to take portraits of people um, much more than just landscapes because there's yeah. there's an interaction. Shout out to kind of our element. friend Aaron Scott. Aaron Scott, nice. come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, the funny little caveat there is, um, so I have two main friend groups here in Longview, and um, and they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. We just we just do different things together, and so. One friend group calls the friend group that Aaron's part of the, yeah. my pretty sports friends, <laughs> and the, and uh, I, you know, ironically, they're all people that go here to New Beginnings. So you guys just like attract like really we're pretty, pretty sports people, fit I people. Guess so and so I'm like, I exclude myself from that group for the record. <laughs> like David Mitchell, Nathan yeah, Irwin, Aaron yeah. Scott. Like these guys are all like. Like to me, they all like 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 Nate, uh, um, David. I'm always like, you kind of look like Brad Pitt in <laughs> Troy without the long hair because you're muscular and kind of bulky <laughs> in that. And then like uh, Nathan is a Jim Caviezel kind of character <laughs> and just like in his 40s, but like has the metabolism of a 16 year old and <laughs> super fit. And then Aaron, I'm like, just always reminds me of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know guys in their 30s and 40s had abs that looked like movie stars. And skateboard. Abs- and skateboard. And, <laughs> oh, and don't get hurt or tired don't when you play sports with them. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, my gosh, guys. Okay, so so it's been, uh, so that's been fun. It's, and that's another thing about a small community is, like, I'm able to meet all these different people yeah. and have relationships with them and, like, you know, meet up, you know, on Friday night for some tennis with these guys or play basketball yeah. at lunchtime, whatever. And then, you know, go have coffee with, you know, whoever else, you know, yeah. two hours later right. and all that kind of stuff, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And kind of talking city culture, um, context. Wow. Three C's. City culture context. <laughs> Anyways, uh, kind of talking about being integrated with different friend groups shooting yep. different people around town taking pictures taking pictures um, yeah just to like clarify yeah, he's yeah. not I, he's I not feel, he's I, not mowing down longview people yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i own a shotgun that i've never <laughs> shot so uh, yeah well talking about our city and how you've been heavily inter- integrated what are, what are some ways you've seen it transform recently like you've seen some you've seen some movement 
Yeah, yeah, culture. I think we've definitely seen ways. movement. I think like a, as a larger community, we've seen um, the city like investing in the arts a lot. So there's like a whole, um, they're trying to develop this whole arts corridor uh-huh. that's coming in through Laterno and Moberly. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're starting to see Longview. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool. We're yeah. even seeing Longview like get on the map like uh, with like Bodacious off Moberly, which right. we've all known as yeah. like this amazing barbecue place. But it was like number four on uh-huh. a Texas yeah. barbecue list. And yeah. I'm like, that's high praise. Um, so just, just seeing that more. And then, and then obviously some of the biggest stuff is, you know, meeting guys like, uh, Connor and Vance, um, Vincent, you know, all those Dave Sanford, all those guys down at silver grizzly, my buddies, John and Jack over with oil horse and stuff like that. And then Justin and Sarah with wild honey. Now it's like, they're starting to be these younger entrepreneurs that are, starting businesses, um, which happens with every generation, but they seem to be very like community conscious. Like if they were doing it just to make money, they would probably do it in a different city if we're being honest and with a different downtown because our downtown is changing, but it's, it's slow to change. And so, um, but I think we're starting to see a lot more people now wanting to stay here and invest. And that's been something that, uh, has changed for work me and my wife. It's like we had always moved for jobs and we moved here because of a job. Um, but I told her, I'm like, well, if that job disappeared tomorrow, because mm. I, my main source of income is is through a church and it's a nonprofit and that relies on people giving. So it's like that could go away, you know, at any point if the economy just takes like a massive downturn. Or if we hit a pandemic. Yeah. And so... <laughs> well, uh, yeah, in so theory, that's that's another hypothetical. Yeah, that's that's exactly. another crazy thing of, of how giving <laughs> exactly. in a lot of churches like actually went up or like stayed the same right, during yeah. pandemic, which was uh just the faithfulness of of God and the congregation. But um I'm like, even if that went away, we feel very tied to this city where yeah. uh when we first moved here for the first like year or so, we were like every other weekend, like, should we just go back to Dallas mm-hmm. yeah. and make it work? Cause we had at that point kind of become city people, you know? And if anything, we thought we were going to move to a bigger city, you know, outside of Dallas. Like we mm-hmm. romanticized like living in a super small apartment in New York and just being able to walk around, you know, to through all the neighborhoods and stuff. And if we lived in New York, we wouldn't be able to afford anything. But we would walk around, and it would be <laughs> we'd be walking walk around. We would frolic. We would frolic, <laughs> and um, there would be frolicking. There would be uh, there would be fun times to be had. But you know, God had different plans and opened up this door, and we could never have dreamed what a blessing this would be yeah. for our life. I mean, we've we have some of the, the deepest relationships we've ever had, you know, here in Longview, and uh, we have a community that supports us and allows us to you know dream and champions us and. That's not just something for me, but that's something that my wife has gotten even working at at Pine Tree, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, she's the school counselor this year and yeah. she's she's in the middle of her counseling program. And so technically, um, she I mean, she's not called the school counselor, but she is a school counselor and, and she can get her emergency certification next year. I'm giving you guys too much background, <laughs> but uh, you can just cut that if you want. But it's it's they've invested in her to the point where they're like, oh, we want good people to stay here, you yeah, know, yeah. we want good people involved in our school systems. And I, and we're seeing that not just in Pine Tree, but Longview, Spring Hill, and in our private schools yeah. of like, the next generation is investing in 
the future generations. You know what I mean? And we want the community to thrive and we want it to grow. And and I think Longview, probably out of everywhere else in East Texas, has uh, the most potential to do it. And we have leaders uh, in the community, even our mayor, it's like, is investing in that. Yeah. And so, which I'm mm. really fortunate uh, uh, to be get to be a, a small part of that. Nice. That's cool. One of the one of the constants across these podcasts, and one of the things that we kind of have continually communicated to the students, is if you're gonna be here for four to five years of your life, you talk about six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a yeah. blip. But four to five years—that's a significant. Yeah, it's a chunk. It's a chunk of time, and so if you do that, just as a continuation of, of what you're saying, what encouragement would you give to students in terms of investing investing in? Uh, the local church and in the local community uh, while they're here. Well, it was some, maybe mm. some encouragement you can give to them just kind of as a send off from our time. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is, is don't drift. You know, if you're looking for a home church or uh, you're looking for a community, that's one thing. But if you feel like God's kind of brought you into that and is and you're in a community or church and maybe you don't like certain little things, it's like start to be part of the impactful change that you would like to see. And just because you're 19 or 20 doesn't mean that you can't affect that change even in the community at large. There's so many different things like what we just talked about with like Thrive 360 yeah. with Clint, where yeah. it's like you can give up an afternoon every week and go make a difference in these kids' lives. And that's investing in the kingdom of God. It's also investing in the community. It's a very kingdom uh, on earth here mindset, you know? Um, And I also say, I think it's a big deal to get involved in a, in a local church and um, to be tied into it, not just for a couple months, but years at a time. And it starts to, uh, I think it teaches you how to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it, it, it teaches you how to be committed to a place, how to um, serve somewhere in a Christ-like posture, and how to have um, a support system, not only of peers, but uh-huh. of uh of a congregation uh-huh. and pastors that will support you and can kind of help guide you yeah. through this time because if you're just if you're just relying on only your friend group yes they're in the same stage that you have and it doesn't mean that they don't have wisdom for right. you but there's always this element of of biblical learning where it's like whatever stage you're in you're looking back and there's a younger generation yes. typically and you're training those kids and then there's people that are ahead of you and you're constantly learning from them. And that's kind of something that we've lost as mm. a culture that the Jewish culture reminds us of a lot. And so being part of a local church um, really helps uh, solidify and, and emphasizes that kind of living. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a good word. Yeah. No, that's the continual message um, that I think we need to hear. And not just for the students, but I think our churches and our communities as a whole is this this uh, this common responsibility yeah. that we have for each other. Yeah. Because um, I, can, I, can, I can tell a student that, that you need to be invested for yourself. Uh, but we also talk about kind of this reciprocal gift 
yeah. that everybody has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, the challenge too, isn't just for the young people to do that, but if there's some people that are listening that are in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, even seventies, eighties, whatever, it's like, look at this college age group, you know, that are in their twenties, mm-hmm. late teenagers coming up. I mean, these are going to be, these are our next community leaders. These are our next world leaders. These are our next doctors and lawyers and educators and uh, pastors and whatever. It's Mm -hmm. like they're going to at some point pick up the mantle. And if they haven't learned from uh, the the triumphs and the the failings of the generation that lived before them, then what I say, if we don't look at history, we're doomed to repeat it. You know what I mean? It's like, so they need to be taught. They need to be discipled and and shepherded and mentored. And I feel like that's something that has been very much lost in our our culture. And so uh, the challenge to the older generations is find somebody, take them in, uh-huh. and and really disciple them. And it, you know, discipling. I used to be very intimidated by that, but it's really all you're doing is inviting somebody into your life. You're inviting them over for dinner with your family, a normal Thursday night dinner. You know what I mean? You're inviting them to a football game that, you know, you and your friends are going to or whatever. Um, And it's just bringing somebody into your normal everyday life. You don't have to come with a lesson. The lessons will come. You know what I mean? Yeah. The questions will come. You just have to invite. Yeah. That's good, brother. Well, man, we appreciate a lot of your time. Loved absolutely. it. And the conversation. I think we got to touch on a lot of different things, just the arts <laughs> and local community and just story. Yeah. So, man, really strong appreciate man it. Strongman competition. If somebody were interested. Yes, phone strongman. Oh, no, man. Oh, did not expect gosh. that. That was a turn. I appreciate it. That turn. Um, <laughs> I hey, love man, that. if somebody's interested in looking at your stuff, um, yeah. the photography that you're into, videography, kind of the work that you do, yeah. where, we, where would be the best place to direct them? I mean, probably just Instagram at okay. this point. I mean, there's a website too, but if you go to Instagram and go Tyler Ellison at yeah. Tyler Ellison, um, you'll find me there. And that points to my uh, website and all that kind of stuff. Cool, cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I'm sure somebody will come across you in a, uh, in a coffee shop somewhere i think that's where i see you most yeah yeah it's it yeah the the local coffee shop well there's there's a couple now there's a few we're we're getting a few now we're getting there there's been the established coffee mill for a while shout out yeah i I live close to them so yeah shout out coffee mill and then obviously silver (laughs) grizzly and i think there's what is there a new one that just opened up evergreen evergreen yeah yeah yeah. so we have some local ones and then obviously we've got the starbucks lovers it'll do in a pinch you know (laughs) there you go (laughs) we receive all coffee we receive all of it as a blessing from the lord absolutely well tyler appreciate you dude yeah thanks for joining us thank you all right buddy grace and peace thanks for joining us today if you would like to get plugged in with New Beginnings College Ministry, follow us on Instagram at mbbc underscore college. Our hosts today were Jeff Manning and Luke Ludwig, with special guest Tyler Ellison. This podcast was recorded at New Beginnings Baptist Church in Longview, Texas, edited and mastered by Josh Moore. We'll see you next time. Grace and peace. Peace.